what do you envision we will be talking about in 10 years? For many of them, either their body language or things they are saying directly or some combination is speaking to me that says, I am so busy right now, I don't have time to think about that. Welcome to the Student Affairs Spectacular, the weekly podcast giving you a front row seat to the greatest student affairs show on earth. And now your ringmasters, Tom Kriegelstein and Dustin Ramsdell. Welcome to yet another edition of the Student Affairs Spectacular. My name is Tom Kriegelstein. I am your host for today's episode where I got to interview and have a conversation with Alan Mueller, who is the Assistant Academic Dean of Career Development at Guilford College, which is a small, tiny college in North Carolina. He is also the president of NCCPA, which is a chapter of ACPA. Now... Alan, I brought on the podcast because he is undertaking this very unique project where he wanted to do something to celebrate the 50th year of of NCCPA. And so what he did is he decided to try and visit 50 campuses around North Carolina and have interviews with the senior student affairs professionals. He's about halfway through his journey right now. He presented his findings so far at the, the latest ACPA conference. Uh, in Ohio, I believe it was, <clears throat> but he uh, he came on the podcast and talked about some of the learnings that he's discovering. And, and let me tell you, there is some amazing stuff going on here. <coughs> Excuse me, where he specifically talks about the future of student affairs and how they're reacting to it, which you probably heard in the teaser opening to this podcast. Uh, he also talks about uh, some of the trends that are happening with Black Lives Matter and how that's playing out around around campuses. Um, he, he's talking about the differences between the, the different types of campuses throughout North Carolina. And if you, if you put this in perspective, he's, he's meeting with the, the student affairs professionals at these schools who have been around for a long time. So the, the breadth of knowledge that he's gaining is just, it's unlimited. And so I'm excited to not only have him here for this first part of this interview, but we'll definitely have him back as he continues uh, to chronicle this journey. And he does share the website, which is in the show notes of where he is uh, updating every interview that he has. And I'll post in the, the show notes where you have it. But with that, let's dig in and introduce you to Alan. I am excited for this interview uh, right now, and and before I say anything else, first, Alan, I want to wake well, wake you, welcome you, to, <laughs> <laughs> welcome you to the Student Affairs Spectacular podcast. Thanks so much, Tom. I'm, I'm glad to be here. This is exciting. Great. And where in the country, the world, are you calling in from right now? Uh, I'm in Greensboro, North Carolina, right in the middle of the state, uh, and I work for a small liberal arts college called Guilford College. Guilford College. Uh, what's, yes. what's one thing about Guilford College that mo- people should know? Uh, actually, it's uh, uh, the only Quaker institution in the South, and about 900 yards east of where I'm sitting is the southernmost point of the Underground Railroad. Whoa. So, were, they, yeah. were they heavily, I mean, the Quakers were pretty involved in the, the railroad, right? V- very much so, very much so. And so the, the woods on the east side of campus... Uh, we just know that that was one of those places that uh, folks would go to get connected to the next safe house, and it's part of our rich tradition and history down here. So that's amazing. And how is how is the Quaker history uh, show up in the current state within the college? Oh well, I mean it, the Quaker testimonies are very much part of what we do. Um, 
oftentimes our meetings, staff meetings or faculty meetings, will open with a moment of silence, which is a traditional Quaker thing. Uh, the idea of equality is interesting because nobody uses titles here. And so it's funny. Uh, um, I got my doctorate a couple years ago, but nobody here calls me Dr. Mueller. I'm just Alan, and the president is just Jane. And nobody's Dean this or Mr. or Mrs. Everyone is first-name basis because the Quakers value equality. So I always joke with people that when I got my doctorate, I made my children call me Dr. Mueller for two weeks. <laughs> um, my little boy would walk into the room, Daddy, can I have some dinner? No, I'm sorry. Daddy, can I have some No, no. <laughs> Dr. Mueller, can I have some dinner? Okay, yeah, you can have dinner. <laughs> Oh, the number of friends who have, I've had that have gotten their doctorate and then played that that exact card on me. <laughs> yep. It's like, uh, hey, hey, Seth, do you want to go out? Well, excuse me, what? Seth, do you want to go out? Uh, doctor, doctor. Uh-huh. Like, okay, we get it, we get it. Uh, funny side story, my mom, uh, during, during um, uh, when was this? The Gulf War? No, I, I guess it was younger. Um, okay. She... Is she would she would practice um, or she would definitely connect with the Quaker community in Michigan um, because uh-huh. the big thing was the nonviolent side of it and right um, and so she was super worried we had their five boys she was really worried about drafts for us and so she's like if anything ever happened then she would claim Quaker status and oh yeah 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 it's a it's a real thing but it never happened so luckily yeah yeah <laughs> uh all right well but that's not why we're here we're not here to talk about quakers uh but i, I am uh, i'm curious because everyone has their own journey into student affairs where they got to where they're at uh give us your background from uh, maybe it's from undergrad to where you're at now and how you ended up there sure sure so as an undergraduate i was not a good student Uh, It took me seven years to finish college, and I finished with a stellar 2.16 GPA. Uh, (laughs) I know, right? My degree was in philosophy and religion, but the thing that kept me from failing out many times over was those co-curricular involvements. So I was a member of the marching band, and I was such a band geek that I even joined the band fraternity. Like, it's a real, you know, it's it's band geeks unite, right? I was in the gospel choir. I was like the one white guy in the, in the Black Student Association gospel choir. I was involved in a lot of different clubs and organizations. And uh, and then, you know, eventually, as most philosophy and religion majors do, I went into car sales and I sold cars. And then I <laughs> transitioned from that to be a bank teller uh, and then eventually a loan officer. Because when you think about it, you really want people with a 2.16 GPA handling yeah. your finances. Right? Yeah. Uh, and so... Uh, then I applied to graduate school for student affairs and initially did not get in. Uh, and as fate would have it, I think the universe it operates in interesting ways. Uh, one of my clients from the bank uh, was the professor who was the head of the program. And I had spoken to the coordinator, but he was the, the head. And so they gave me provisional status and uh, I got to take a semester's worth of courses. And they said, you have to prove you can make a B average or better and then we'll take you. And so that was the beginning of my journey. Uh, why, why did you – I missed the part, though, where you, you just realized that student affairs, like, you, you thought to go to grad school for it. Oh, yeah, yeah. So um, at some point, some friends of mine and I started a club on campus, and we had to find that office with all those papers to get those signatures. Yeah. And, and that sort of uh, – I had been building this resume of all these campus in, pieces of campus involvement not understanding that someone somewhere behind the scenes was also supporting that, right? Yeah. Um, and so we interacted with an advisor primarily, but that advisor in, in the music fraternity, Kappa Kappa Psi, 
was a you know a faculty in the music uh, school of music, and so a little bit isolated from the rest of student affairs. But when I went with these friends to form this club, we had to find that office. And it's interesting because the person who we found eventually, I was his graduate assistant, and then just a few years ago, he was on my dissertation committee. So sort of full circle with this mentor over a period of 15 plus years. Yeah, I can't express it enough to student affairs professionals listening how valuable your influence and your mentorship is on these undergraduate students in the career they choose. Oh my goodness, so much, very yeah. much. And, yeah. and granted, we're only hearing mostly the stories of, of people who go into student affairs, but I can only imagine how many other conversations there are around that they talk to the mentor and it ends up being the career that they're in. And unfortunately, the challenge is, is that uh, for, for a lot of these people, it's not particularly in their job description to sit down and talk about life with their, <laughs> with their mentees. <laughs> exactly. And, and right now, I, uh, one of the things I do is I run the Career Development Center here on campus. And w- one of the things we believe is that career development is happening everywhere. It's happening with students' roommates. It's happening with their parents. It's happening with, happening with those faculty that they rely on. Uh, so it's not at all sort of owned by our center. It's just an ongoing process. And so you never know when that student's going to meet someone through an internship or through a class. It's really going to turn the light on for them that there is, oh, a new career that I hadn't thought of. Before. Yeah. So, all right. Yeah. So then, so you went to grad school. Yeah. Uh, went to grad school, uh, worked in leadership programs there, took every opportunity I could, uh, my two mentors that I relied on most were Jim Street, who I mentioned. He was the guy that we found who helped start the club. Uh, and then also uh, an amazing professional named Lee Williams, who uh, at some point was one of the editors for About Campus Magazine, uh, went on to be dean of students at UConn, uh, worked at Wheaton up in Massachusetts. And, and Jim Street and Lee Williams in particular really formed the professional, I think, that I, that I am in terms of making sure that I knew that there was a path to be a scholar practitioner. They both had terminal degrees in positions that may or may not have required them at the time when I was interacting with them. And so uh, they really showed me that there was a, an interesting sort of path, and that's that's shaped things. So after that, I worked at a small liberal arts college called Lees McRae up in the mountains of North Carolina. Sure. Elevation, elevation 4,500 feet above sea level. So I passed two ski slopes on the way to north on the way to my campus, even though we're in North Carolina. And... Um, at small liberal arts colleges, often you get to do a lot of different roles, and that, this was no exception. So I got to do orientation programming. My first two years, I was the retention specialist, so I was doing a lot of enrollment management, uh, studies on why students left, why they stayed. Uh, I got to do orientation. Very accidentally fell into career services, which is a funny story at, at that campus, uh, and also did some leadership programming and some academic advising. But What year was that? You were at Lee's McRae? Uh, I was there 03 to 07, so four years, uh, and a little plug for internships. I had interestingly done my internship for my graduate program uh, at Lees McRae, and it quickly converted into a job. I mean, I think I finished my internship May 15th, and they created a job for me June 1st. So uh, for any, yeah, for student affairs folks listening, those internships can be valuable, especially if you make the right impression and are in the right situation, you know? I was actually, small world, I was there in 07. I did a program there. Are you kidding? Yeah. Wow. And in February of 07, so I was kind of wondering, like, oh, have I actually, did we meet maybe when we were there on campus? We don't even, because it was a while ago, certainly. Yeah, by fall 07, I had gone back to my alma mater, uh, Appalachian State University, which was 18 miles down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and there I did campus activities. And 
Uh, but that's small world, isn't it? Me- yeah. Megan Walters? Uh, yeah. So, oh my goodness. So, uh, <laughs> so Hi, Megan. Megan, my intern when I was at, at Lee's McRae, uh, eventually she went on to another small college, Brevard College. Then she went back to Appalachian State. Then three years ago, I hired her here at Guilford College. And we shared a wall. She was the very next office to me up until three weeks ago. <laughs> so um, I've known Megan since Amazing. Uh, forever. I, I, I think her first graduate class in student affairs I actually taught, uh, which was – so I've known her since the beginning of her student affairs journey. And um, she's a really good friend. So I want to – I want to – I'm, I'm going to take a learning moment out of this for, for yeah. everyone who's listening that uh, it, it's amazing how big the world is at times and that how yeah. small it is at times. And it um, it's just never a good idea to burn bridges. And so, <laughs> Correct. Just yeah. like maybe maybe there's some situations like if it's abuse or something, yeah, you just need to distance yourself or remove sure. yourself from the situation. But for the majority sure. of these relationships we're connecting in the professional space, um, just keep the keep the connection because you never know when that person's gonna like round back into your world. So it's it's so true. And and I mean, you know, especially in student affairs, because we're such a unique uh profession and such a uh so we, you know, we inhabit such a special, special place in the world, and so yeah. it, the the folks who gravitate towards it, they tend to connect and then connect and then connect, and so it's very easy to, to close the loop. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, this is where we insert the dramatic uh, plot twist music because okay. you are actually on the academic side of the institution. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I am in. Uh, I am in academic affairs now. I've been that on the academic side of the house, if you will, for seven years. Uh, but uh, but student affairs to me is is a, a calling and a profession and the org chart is sort of incidental um, and I'm still very active I'm I'm currently the president of the North Carolina chapter of ACPA uh, which has been an amazing amazing journey um, and also uh, one of the great things is when you're in academic affairs being able to advocate for student affairs work and just the processes of student development student learning and growth and um, intersectional advocacy and all those things that we value in student affairs, being able to to raise that voice in those spaces is, is uh, a unique privilege. And that's actually my first question was knowing that you're, because you have a, a big background in student affairs and then being right. on the academic side, and uh, how how have you been building the bridge between the two? And well, how I has mean, your experience in student affairs helped you on the academic side too? Sure. I mean, I think that uh, one of the things that I think student affairs folks just in general as a profession really uh, have at their core is a, a belief in students and a sincere care for students and, and a desire for students to learn and grow. And the great thing is, is that um, I've been able to work at institutions where the faculty have the same the same kind of drive. It, it might be phrased differently, it might right. come from a different standpoint because, you know, these faculty have each devoted their life to a discipline uh, but those core things are still there and so so much of our work is just translating work it's just making sure that uh, when someone says you know I really hope the student you know gets a good understanding of critical thinking uh, and then someone else says well I really hope they learn to evaluate sources I mean that that someone stands there and says well hey these are similar similar things that we're talking about and um, and so it's really you know I think that that the, the artificial barriers that we build are just that they're artificial and and when we make the time and when we have the time to cross those uh, those artificial org chart barriers we find that 
most of us are invested in the same thing, just maybe from different standpoints. Well, I have two two quick experiences around this. One, I was down at school in Florida, not going to name it, and uh-huh. they uh, I was walking. I was walking. I was walking with the the head of student activities and. There's a river running through campus and a bunch of buildings on the other side of the, the river. And then I was on this side. And um, and I said, oh, what are those buildings over there? And she says, oh, that's the academic side of the institution. And I, I, oh, wow. I, I paused for a moment. I said, there's a literal moat running <laughs> between the two sides. <laughs> like, as wow. if there's not a mental moat to have a physical thing. Uh, because yeah. really, at the core of it is... is um, the student, and the more we yeah. remember that, the more every department should come together and and be able to support each other's uh, goals and outcomes. Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely. And I think we all of us want students to succeed. We all want students to graduate. We want them to go on and be leaders in our communities and in our society. And so um, that working together piece is, is huge. And it's you know, uh, it's just a matter of it. T- it takes it takes time to build relationships because I think student affairs folks uh, work on a different sort of time schedule you know I mean that there's a there's a fast pace to student affairs work and faculty culture almost anywhere you go has a more deliberate pace and there's a, a really good reason for that uh, but uh, navigating those two paces and sort of standing in that gap is important work yeah yeah and, and the second the second experience that came up for me is I did a, it was a interview here on the, the podcast with with another academic it was an academic advisor. And uh-huh. I asked him, I said, hey, I just, just out of curiosity, throughout your week, how often in your day-to-day conversation or thought process are you thinking about ways that you can, you can work more closely or better with the student affairs professionals? And he paused yeah. and he said, actually, I don't think I ever do. Oh, wow. uh, and I do think, though, that, that – and, and student affairs professionals think about it all the time. Right. Uh, and I right. think that there is – that part of it is that – there's a totem pole at the institution, and certainly the academic side has been historically the 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 higher up on that totem pole. Sure. Um, and and so I think that that, but I do think there are colleges that are understanding and recognizing that the student isn't just classroom. The student is the entire experience that they have in relation to the institution, uh, and that involves the student service side of everything. Oh yeah, yeah, and I think that's. I mean, you're 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 very you're, and I, I like how you framed that about how student affairs people are always thinking about collaborating. And part of that is because, you know, also, you know, so much of the time, our quote unquote discipline is the student, right? Our discipline isn't one from the traditional canon. It's not history. It's not chemistry. It's our discipline, quote unquote, is the student experience, student learning, student growth and development. And so that calls for collaboration just instinctively. Whereas if your discipline's a little bit more specialized, it might not necessarily, it might not drive you to call for it as, as regularly to think about oh I'm teaching chemistry what, I'm concerned about my whole student but am I necessarily to teach them chemistry to do my job well do I necessarily need to reach out to other divisions and so it's yeah I, I definitely appreciate what you're saying yeah, yeah. all right and, and so there's another element of this conversation uh, that I, I want to get to because you sure. you undertook this unique project uh, yes and, and so can you sort of say what, uh, first, why did you choose it? And then, well, what is it and why did you choose to, to undertake this project? Uh, yeah, so this, this project, um, I, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, I'm the president of NCCPA, the North Carolina College Personnel Association. And, of course, we are a chapter of ACPA. And uh, this year, 2016-2017 uh, academic year, was our 50th anniversary as an association. 
And so I was trying to think about a neat way to commemorate that. And I remember in the 60s and 70s, um, uh, uh, elementary schools used to do time capsules. I don't know if you remember this, but they would, I think some schools still do this. They'll, next to their flagpole, they'll bury a little box of pieces of technology of the day, and then they'll say, Bring, unearth this 20 years from now. And as a state association, we don't have a physical plot of land to make that practical. But I was like, what can we do to sort of take a snapshot of where student affairs is in our state? Uh, and also, of course, our state has a unique uh, political position. There's a lot of a lot of interesting things happening in terms of social justice movement and tension with our government, etc. So it's a very, very unique time in North Carolina. So I came up with the idea that I wanted to do a multi-campus tour. And it turns out that North Carolina, if I'm right, I'm pretty sure I've done the math right, has 50 four-year residential colleges and universities. And I thought, how perfect is that? You know, 50 years, 50 campuses. Wow. And, and so I thought it would be really neat to go visit all 50 campuses. I don't know if anybody ever has. And to sit down with their student, their senior student affairs leadership and ask them some questions. And so um, I actually reached out on Facebook to student affairs professionals uh, about what kinds of questions might you ask if you could sit down with senior student affairs leaders in your state. Uh, and so far, I've completed 28 of the 50 interviews. And are, so, is the goal to finish all 50? The goal is to finish all 50 by the end of this summer. Um, and I have a blog that's chronicling things sort of as I go. The blog isn't chronological. My, my journey is, is you know, is, I didn't post the first campus, then post the second campus. There's sort of a, a different kind of thinking when it comes to what I'm posting when. But yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I've got uh, 28 visits. Hopefully I'll finish all 50 by the end of this summer. And, uh, you know, this, this could yield, I mean, the kinds of questions I'm asking and the amount of wisdom that I'm having the privilege to sit down with, I mean, this could easily be a, a book or several articles. Yeah. Or, I mean, there's, there's so much. Uh, just one quick snapshot. There was one time, I live in a, a metro region called the Piedmont Triad. It's three small cities that collectively uh, have about 1.8 million people. So, you know, they are small cities. But uh, we have, I think, 11 colleges and universities right here in this little metro region. And uh, at one point, I visited uh, the vice president or vice chancellor at four, two privates and two publics. And when I did the math, I realized that those four individuals had more than 160 years experience in the field. Jeez. And that was really humbling to know that that they are, and they're just right here in this region, to say nothing of, uh, you know, uh, just the more expansive driving that I've done throughout the state. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're clocking good miles on your Yeah, car. definitely, definitely. Uh, the web, I just want to make sure the website is northcarolinacolleges.wordpress.com. Is that correct? That's right. That's All right. right. I'm, I'm going to, just yeah. so everyone who's listening, that will go in the show notes. Don't drive and try and write this down while you're driving. <laughs> <laughs> Just stay eyes on the road, eyes on the eyes road. Eyes on the road. Ten, ten, and, ten and two. Ten and two, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I also want to quickly backtrack because uh, the time capsule. My school buried a time capsule uh, when, oh. I, when, in 1995, and they promised in 2000 that they would open it up. Or sorry, 1990, and they promised in 2000 that they'd open it up, and they never did because everyone sort of uh. just like left. And I, every time I go home, I look at the wall because I know where it's at. I'm thinking uh-huh. someday when I'm like famous enough, I'm going to go back to and be like, tear down this wall. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I like yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. 
Uh, okay, so this is this is amazing. Uh, the project that you're undertaking, and 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 are you? Is, is there? Is is this a, a compensated at all? Or are you just like this is volunteer? You just decide you want to take this on. This is volunteer, um, and and North Carolina is a pretty manageable state in terms of driving. It's not California. Right. I was actually talking uh, to my counterpart, the president of the California Personnel Association, and she said there's no way she could do it in her state, but. Uh, but also, you know, I, I'm involved a lot in different professional associations, uh, both student affairs generalist ones, also sort of career-specific ones. Uh, and so oftentimes, you know, if I'm in a certain metro region uh, for a conference, I'll just go, you know, half a day early and get two campuses on the way, and then on the way out, uh, get two more campuses. And so I'm being really strategic about, uh, about where I'm going for professional visits anyway, and uh, just sort of piggybacking on those. And so it's, it's been manageable. Also, like I said, my metro region has, has 11 campuses. The triangle region of North Carolina, Raleigh, Durham, and Chapel Hill, has another 14, and that's only an hour and a half for me. So, yeah. uh, so, so you know, that's half of the colleges and universities in the state are within one hour of where I live. So it, that's, that makes it a little easier. There are some interesting remote ones, too, though, and I've spent some time there already, which is, has been part of the interesting part of this project to see campuses that I probably never would have seen otherwise. Yeah. And so in this project, you're, you're about halfway through what, uh, what are some of the big ahas for you that have shown up? Well, uh, let me preface that by telling you a little bit about the questions I'm asking. I'm asking, uh, I'm asking these, these senior student affairs professionals about what their, what the traditions are on their campus, what makes their campuses unique. I'm asking them about the, how they've seen student affairs change over their time, uh, what they think their biggest challenges are right now, and then also what they see for the future, what they think we are going to be talking about 10 years from now. So there's sort of a past, present, and future look. Uh, but we're also talking about Black Lives Matter on campus. And we're talking about social justice. and We're talking about uh, racism and how that is showing up and how those tensions are being navigated in student affairs. So a lot of rich conversations have developed from this, but also some really light and and fun ones as well. Yeah. So one of the, yeah. And so at, at ACPA uh, uh, in Ohio, I presented a poster on sort of the initial themes from my first half of this journey. And one of the themes is that tradition is hard these days. Um, most of the, most of the senior student affairs professionals I've spoken to say that their campuses struggle with tradition uh, and that they, uh, you know, I think they many times are of an age where campus tradition was bigger in some senses, and now it seems uh, in many instances to be more diffused. Uh, I think a few notable exceptions so far, the HBCUs, the historically black colleges and universities I have visited, uh, you know, homecoming is is such a huge part of so many HBCU uh, cultures. And then also the women's colleges, uh, uh, one women's college in particular in the Raleigh area, when I asked about traditions, they brought out a, a binder essentially of of traditions, and it was a, it was amazing to see how invested they were in tradition. Well, why uh, is that? Just a, a follow up on that. You, you, both yeah. of, both of those you just mentioned are very uh, they're groups. They're 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 yes. there's an in group there. It's not yeah. it's not particularly like Georgia State College or University where it's one of the most diverse in the country, um, mm-hmm. and so you have people from all walks of life coming together. Uh, right. Is that does that play into it? Is there a camaraderie that causes the traditions to come out? I, I think that that the question you're asking is a great research question, right? That if I write <laughs> this up, that would that will definitely be one of those for future study questions because that's 
you know, that is a hunch that I'm developing is that uh, when there's a strong shared sense of identity built into the college's mission, that that may support uh, tradition. Uh, but again, you know, that's that's one of those things that uh, maybe one day I could delve more deeply into. But uh, yeah. that's my inner researcher speaking, I guess. Uh, but yeah. Okay. So go on. What what else? What are what are some other learnings or trends that you've you've learned? Um, I think that uh, the future uh, is a little hard to predict uh, right now, and uh, a sense that I get, and this is just part of my own reflection, but one of the senses that I get is often when I stop and ask these professionals, what do you envision we will be talking about in 10 years? For many of them, either their body language or things they are saying directly or some combination is speaking to me that says, I am so busy right now, I don't have time to think about that. That I'm so uh, uh, focused on crisis management, on managing uh, student and parent expectations, managing federal regulations, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, the new building project, et cetera, that I, I don't I don't have time to stop and sit and think about the future. And so I've had I've felt that tension with those professionals, which is really interesting. Wow, that, uh, that's a, yeah. that's a, that's such a huge insight right there. Because <laughs> my also, I'm not doing research on this, but I absolutely share that experience when talking with essay pros. Right, right, and so it's it's really it's interesting. Uh, and and I I didn't mention this in, in the intro, but I teach part time in a student affairs graduate program uh, at at uh, UNC Greensboro, which is uh, a large research institution in our area, and hearing these student affairs, uh, these senior student affairs professionals share that with me has impacted how I, how I teach these newer student affairs professionals to, to be as mindful as one can and to think ahead as much as one can and get in the habit of that early. But, but also I realized that these, so many of these VPs, I mean, one of my interviews, uh, the VP apologized to me in advance because there had been a student death that morning and she had her phone with her during the interview. And, yeah. and you know, that's, that's the reality of, of the lives of these senior student affairs professionals. And, and on, um, on that note, the other thing, and I'm curious based on what you, you've talked to, is that the, the role or the responsibilities of, of the student affairs professional has, has expanded oh, yeah. to things that may were never even touched on in the grad programs. <laughs> definitely, definitely. And uh, it's interesting because even even sort of trying to, to understand what student affairs is. I mean, one of the questions that I ask is, when you have to explain your work to people who aren't in student affairs, how do you explain it, you know? And they laugh. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, Susan Comavez at a conference told me once, she said something like, the reason I got into student affairs is because every holiday season I really love re-explaining to my family what on earth I do for a living, right? <laughs> uh, but I'll tell, you, I'll tell you two answers in particular that, that spoke to me. One was... Uh, one was very serious, and that was um, uh, Adina students at one of the uh, institutions in the mountains. And she said, "She said what what I wish people understood is that we are a fifty two week a year profession, and that twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, we are in the business of changing student lives and saving student lives." And that was that was powerful. I felt like she should have had a microphone; she could drop right there for me. Um, it was really powerful yeah. to, to hear her say it like that. And then on the, on the lighter side, um, uh, one of the vice chancellors at uh, one of the uh, HBCUs that I have visited so far gave me a great analogy. He said that uh, students experience college as though it's a new house, and the professors are the appliances. You know, they're the stove, the oven, the 
the sink, the light switches, they're all the things that you interact with regularly. He said, student affairs is the plumbing and the electrical. Whoa. That when it's going well, you might not know it's there, but when there's a crisis, everyone knows that it's there. And, you know, a lot of people, I think, think they are experts all of a sudden when the electric goes bad or the plumbing goes bad. And I thought that was a really, really great analogy that speaks to how pervasive and ubiquitous student affairs work is and how much of an impact it makes on students, even when it's not visible. Yeah. Gosh, these are so, this this research project, it's got so much good stuff in it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I can't even – I mean, when I look at my notes and when I listen to my recordings, I, I'm just blown away because, I mean – and I haven't even touched on the Black Lives Matter question in, in right. this conversation, but that that also has been this this for me very tension producing uh, set of answers. Right, some of the answers leave me concerned, you know, yeah. and, and some of the answers leave me inspired. And and there's been everything in between, and uh, and that's that's something that I, as a researcher, am going to have to grapple with. And I'm not going to pretend that I am a bystander or that I can be impartial about this because I don't think any of us can be impartial about this. Yeah. Um, and so I think that, uh, that that's when that comes out in the research, um, I'm going to have to do a lot of, uh, of reflecting on self as researcher, but also just say it like it is, you know, and it's, uh, um, it's student affairs professionals. There've been some answers uh, I'll say that have just blown me away with their authenticity, um, and, and realness. And I think that authenticity and realness are two of the, two of the, main tools that we're going to need to to undo this this racist mess we have 20 270 years in the making you know yeah yeah right yeah that, that, that line right there 270 years in the making is people feel like it's it's just this thing that just happened the last two years i'm like <laughs> no 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 no. there's a lot right there. right uh, yeah Gosh, I, I, I we're gonna we're we're definitely gonna have to have you back at least okay. a, at least a couple times if you're open to it because there's just like sure. not only currently do you have great info but you're continuously doing more interviews and and it's just gonna keep evolving. Um, yeah. We try and keep these under thirty minutes. We're already over thirty minutes on on this. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, 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 because it's such good stuff. Um, I have one more serious question, and then and then I want to move into the rapid fire round to to learn right. more about you as a person. Uh, so the serious question is: you, are, you actually already do this, but if you were in front of a, a grad program and you were you were asked to share one piece of advice that you wish every grad student would know as they enter into the field, uh, what would that advice be? Uh, I think the advice would be to find to learn what your bubble is and then break out of it. And what I mean by that is that um, student affairs can be a bubble, academic affairs can be a bubble. Colleges and universities can be a bubble. The, the rest of the world does not operate on semesters. Um, that that, uh, that uh, as one of my staff members, actually Megan Walters, who we mentioned earlier, she was she mentioned to somebody that working as part of the staff that we are part of, we see ourselves as working for this institution and for these students. The office we are in is just sort of a coincidence and a name, uh, uh, like a label on the badge. So to really, when you get to a college and university. To learn about athletics there, learn about the academic programs, learn about academic, learn about all the areas that aren't your area, uh, and and learn about them with passion and curiosity, and learn about the people that do those those kinds of jobs with passion and curiosity, uh, because that's that's so critical to. And I get that it's overwhelming, and that learning just how to do your job in student affairs and, and get some work life balance may be its own struggle, but that would be the biggest piece of advice: is find that bubble that's your bubble. If your bubble is residence life get out of that bubble if your bubble is is campus activities get out of that bubble you know 
uh, and for that matter, get out of the college bubble sometimes. Great. Love it. So much good stuff. I uh, really appreciate it. Uh, and, and so rapid fire time. This is, this, okay. is, this is our reminder that we're human beings and we actually have, <laughs> we have lives uh, that don't revolve everything around the work we do, even though sometimes okay. it feels like it. Uh, right. All right. So I'm going to ask questions. You just like first answer comes to mind. Okay. Um, how do you reward yourself when you accomplish a goal? Coffee. <laughs> What's your favorite word? Coffee. <laughs> in one word, in one word, how do you describe love? Coffee. <laughs> Wait a second. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go with my children for that one. Okay. Uh, and then, what's a superpower you'd like to have? Ooh. Okay. The superpower. Two superpowers. I'm going to cheat. One is I wish that I could think about any person on the planet and compel them to start telling the truth spontaneously. Oh, That's oh, one. Oh. And the second is that um, that I could heal all diseases with a touch of the hand, and I would go on a worldwide tour and just run through cities and high-five people. <laughs> uh, I, love I love that you would go to them instead of having, you know, like... You could, oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, because, I mean, yeah, that, that'd be fun. Uh, what's your go-to karaoke song? Oh, my gosh. Uh, so, funny story. I've never done karaoke. What? Uh, but, oh, wait for it. I have done the American Idol experience at Disney World 11 times <laughs> where I sang on a full stage with hair, makeup, lighting rig, uh, full you know music thing, everything in front of 400 strangers at Disney World. Yeah. Uh, and believe it or not, I think my best go-to was Sweet Home Alabama. It's <laughs> a good one. It's a good one. But, yeah. Uh, what was your first concert? Oh, Chicago and the Beach Boys together in concert. Wow, good one. Uh, who who's the first person you go to for advice? Whew. Uh, um, wow. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I I don't know. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna I guess I'll say my wife, my wife and partner Amy. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what's something that made you smile this past week? Um, something that made me smile is, uh, my daughter who is currently protesting her middle school's dress code, uh, because she believes it's sexist and I think rightly so. And so she is full on protest mode. <laughs> Heck yeah. How old is she? Oh, you 12. said middle school. Yeah. Yep. She's 12 years old. She's, and she's meeting with the assistant principal and all kinds of stuff. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I bet those principals are just like, they're like, no, just go to class. You know? <laughs> right, right. But really what she's doing is the best learning. That's what's going to oh. make her an amazing citizen in the world. It's it is. It just... is. And I'm staying out of her way. I'm not going to, I'm not going to jump in at any point. This is her journey. So yeah. What's one of your favorite ways to express thanks to others? Um, I, I like high fiving. I, 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 I like, I, you know, yeah, I like, I like just showing someone that, yeah, through a good old high five. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, what's your what's your go to summer food? Mm, I probably can't say coffee. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I'm a big fan of carrot cake. I like carrot cake. Yeah, that's a good one. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, what's a what's a hidden talent that uh, you have that most people probably don't know you have? <laughs> uh, well, you can't tell this from a podcast, but I am white. <laughs> uh, but I'm also part of a historically black fraternity called Iota Phi Theta, and I step. You know what stepping is? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I'm 43, so these days I have to stretch out for about a half an hour before I step. But once I stretch out, you better watch out. I can step. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. Uh, what's a favorite item in your office? Uh, I have a picture, uh, a movie poster of the movie Amelie. Yep. 
Uh, and if you've never seen Amelie, it's on Netflix. Great movie and a lot of lessons for student affairs professionals about self-care because the movie is so much about caring for others that sometimes you forget to care for yourself. So, Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, actually, on that note, we're going to end right there because I feel like that's a great final note for every student affairs professional listening. Uh, yeah. Alan, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast, uh, the Student Affairs Spectacular podcast, and sharing your story. We are absolutely going to have to have you back There's this with this research project. All right, Tom. This has been a thrill. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you want to help us out, leave us a review and rating on Stitcher or iTunes, or just share out the show so other people can find all the cool stuff we talk about every single week. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Student Affairs Spectacular Podcast.